Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. I decided on the Lag is Real hat. That will be available for a limited time only for pre-order now for shipping relatively soon within a few weeks and we're going to do one run only. And I decided on it for two reasons. First, it was almost 50-50 on the votes on Twitter on who wanted which version of the hat, but also there were a lot of good suggestions about the other hat. So I thought, let's just do the silly and fun one right now. Let's do the lag is real with the same as the shirt that we were doing, you know, the X-Files inspired hat. We're only going to do one run of it. I don't care if I sell one or a million. We're just only going to do one run and then we're going to kind of retire that design forever. Uh, I think it's just kind of fun and very relevant today. But after that, I'm going to look at the optimized hat and see if it's something that we could just stock for real. And uh, there were a few suggestions on how to change that around. And I took all of those seriously. And you might be right about that. So the lag is real is only going to be available for about a week. So if you wanted that hat, grab it. And then after the dust settles from that, we're going to be launching a couple more just standard hats that I'll probably keep in stock. And uh, I'm going to continue working with Artistic Pixels to try to move all of the merch over there because while Teespring was fine, it's uh, I'm very clearly just a number there that they don't care about. So it's it's nice to work with a team of people that care about everything. The quality, you know, the customers working with me, it's great. been great so far. So if you wanted a fun, silly hat that uh, quite literally raises the middle finger to latency and the people that don't think it's important, then pick that one up. And if you think that's silly, that's fine too. I'll have better hats for you coming up soon. First up, a vinyl version of the Virtua Fighter soundtrack is now available for pre-order through a whole bunch of different sellers worldwide for about $42. This is a double release that features both the arcade soundtrack and the Sega Saturn version of the soundtrack. And it comes in a bunch of different variants from blue splatter to blue to classic black to an exclusive orange marble through one of the different sellers, I believe. But basically, if you collect vinyl and you're into VF, I would at least check out Crystal's post to see what the options are and see if this is something you're interested in. And I do think it's pretty cool that both versions of the soundtrack come with this because I'm sure people have their preferences or even just like both. This week's roundup is once again sponsored by JLC PCB. 
And last week was the final segment on the SCART cleaner. The project is finally done. I will have a separate video on that soon. And I'm also going to take all of the info that I've been teaching everybody and all the stuff that I have learned in that process and make sure that I integrate it in that video as well. Just so if anybody wants to make that product or anything like it, you'll kind of have an easier sense and everything compiled into one video. However, I will be starting a new project next week. But for now, I wanted to just show you once again what it's like when you place an order at these factories because while it is kind of an easier thing to post every week because I don't have to spend hours starting another project I really am truly impressed by it and I love the video that they made showing how this process works and while I know most of us aren't able to go to these facilities and check them out the few times that I have been to facilities like this much smaller and less cool facilities my mind was kind of blown so here let's walk you through a JLC PCB factory tour. First, here's their component preparation section. So whenever you do your assembly order and you ask for components, this is where they pull them from. And I imagine this is probably also where they scan in parts that you have sent to them so that for larger orders, if you have stuff that you wanted them to add to it. Now, here is the solder paste application where they take the stencils, which I showed how those work a couple times in this podcast, but they run the solder paste through the stencils so that it goes only on the components that you need to solder stuff to. So it's imagine a perfectly green motherboard where the solder paste are only on the pads that components go to. Then it goes through an inspection station to make sure that that paste didn't leak off onto other stuff. And then into the pick and place machine, which is probably the coolest thing you could look at in assembly facilities like this, because they take tiny little components and place them exactly where they need to be on the motherboard based on that file that you generate in your PCB software. So that's the assembly file that you have to upload whenever I show those. And it's just so cool to watch these machines go so quickly and put these components in the exact correct place. Next, they go through the heater where they're reflowed. And this is basically what takes that solder paste, heats it up, and has it so that they stick to the board and don't come off. So it's like hand soldering, but through a machine. And then, of course, it goes through the inspection station to make sure everything worked. And then any manual assembly, like a SCART connector, if you were making quantities of 100, would get hand soldered here. So overall, this is just a very quick way to go through exactly how this manufacturing process works. And it doesn't really do it justice, but I wanted to talk through both for people listening audio only and show people who are watching this as a video, just because I think if you haven't ever seen anything like this in person, it is kind of fascinating to see how it works. One of these days, too, I want to do a video on how wave soldering works because that's just super impressive and I could stare at that machine all day long. The company Bitmap Bureau has just finished porting their game Xenocrisis to the Nintendo 64. And there's a few things to talk about, but I'll just skip to the details first. The price is $60 for a complete in-box version. So it comes with the N64 cartridge, a label, a manual, an N64 box. Basically, it's just meant to make you feel like you're buying a brand new N64 game, just like you would have in the 90s. But you could also purchase a ROM-only version for 20, which I think is awesome. I really love it when devs do that because some of us has, have invested quite a lot of money in ROM carts and everything else, so it's nice to just have that option. Um, now, this game is pretty much done. The carts are due to ship by the end of the month, and the ROMs will be distributed shortly after. So while this is a pre-order, this isn't 
taking your money, then going to get the manufacturing and then coming back six months later, which I'm still totally fine with that, by the way, but you're going to get it pretty much right away. I would say within a month, because I believe these are already being made. Now, Xenocrisis is now available on a whole bunch of different platforms from modern to retro. And I absolutely love that. You could pick up Neo Geo cartridges. Uh, you could pick up, you know, anything from the Genesis to Dreamcast, I believe, and even Neo Geo CD. There's a ton of different platforms available. And I just, I like that there's choices here. But the only strong opinion I will try to push on everybody is if you want to play this game, play it through legit methods. Or if you just are not in the position to buy it anywhere, borrow a ROM from somebody just don't buy illegal bootlegs. And I know saying, you know, if you don't have the money to buy it, just steal it is a really horrible thing to say. But the repercussions of that are far less damaging than funding companies who steal games, put them on a cartridge and resell them to you. That is just absolutely awful. And while I would never want to talk on behalf of Bitmap Bureau, I could imagine that if somebody wasn't able to afford to purchase a copy of their game, but they borrowed a ROM from their friends and played it for a couple hours and thought, this is awesome. I'll buy this when I have some extra cash. I think they would be way less worried and way less upset with that than somebody saying, cool game. I'm going to burn a hundred copies and sell them on AliExpress for garbage prices and you know, sell them in bad quality carts with not beveled edges and who knows what voltage they're running at. I mean, that's that's damaging to everybody. But when you buy that, you're also funding the people who do that. And that's just going to make them want to do it more. So, you know, if you got to steal the game, fine. Just don't support bootleggers and those awful thieves that do crap like that. So if I got this one wrong, feel free to tell me. You know, my, my opinions are always based on whatever knowledge I have at the time. And the more I learn, the more my opinions evolve. But that one, when I saw bootlegs floating around a Xenocrisis a while back, I get really pissed because that's just, that sucks. You know, seeing the ROMs distributed, that's, that's life. But seeing somebody steal and resell your game for their own profit, that's garbage. Don't do that. So, uh... Yeah, let me know what you think about that. But most importantly, if you like Xenocrisis, go try to buy it somewhere. And speaking of Bitmap Bureau, a vinyl version of the Final Vendetta soundtrack is available for pre-order. These have already been manufactured. They're just collecting everybody's orders and shipping them all out at the same time. And the price is $30 plus shipping with a ton of details in the main page. It is a double vinyl limited release. So if you wanted to purchase that, if you liked the game Final Vendetta and wanted the soundtrack, here's a cool collectible way to own that. And they still have stock of the Xeno Crisis soundtrack available on vinyl. So if you wanted one or both or anything from Bitmap Bureau, maybe just buy them all in one shot and save yourself on shipping. But all of the details and links to the game Final Vendetta on Switch, PS4, and PS5 are all available. And I believe <laughs> believe these are real, not bootlegs. And I believe that um, there's some special editions in there too. So you might want to check that out if you're even mildly interested in the game or the soundtrack or whatever else. A new version of the open source cart reader is available for pre-order and there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about but I'll skip to the price and shipping and all that and then we'll kind of swing back around to it. But this is a device that allows you to take SNES, Genesis, N64 and a GBA slot, so Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, and back up and restore your save games, rip the ROMs. Um, it's, it's really a very cool piece of equipment for people that need to do that stuff. And the same company, Save the Hero Builders, that did the Kickstarter campaign for their version of this is now selling an updated version they're calling the V3 Alter. 
The price starts at 150 plus shipping, and you can decide how you want it build, uh, built, what colors you want, what options you want. And there's a bunch of uh, also cartridge adapters and other stuff available. Now, this is all based off of the Sani Cart Reader, which is the open source cartridge reader project. And there are newer versions of that available, um, or of the files of that available as well. So you have to start out by making a decision. Do you want to just buy something that's pre-made, ready to go, and will arrive at your house within a reasonable time? I think since these are pre-orders and they're built to order, I think they said it's about an eight-week time before purchase to shipping, which is fair enough for a build-to-order thing. Um, or do you want to build your own? Or do you not care, but you want to check out different features and different looks? So that's the first decision you have to make. And if you want to just buy one, this seems like a very good option. Um, you know, they have a history of making good quality versions. But if you don't really care or if you like building your own, I would strongly recommend going to the Sandy Cart Reader GitHub, which is, of course, linked right here, to see exactly what newer versions they have available, which one fits your needs better, if at all, or whatever else. Also, there's a whole bunch of cartridge adapters that allow you to plug in the Game Gear, the Virtual Boy, and a whole bunch of other cartridges to it for the same purposes. Back up, uh, backing up ROMs, uh, backing up and restoring save game files. So basically, this is aiming to be a one-stop shop for retro cartridge backing up and saving and stuff like that. If you really want to know more about how this works and see it in action, Tito from Macho Nacho Productions did an awesome video on... I think the version before this a while back that really kind of summed up everything that you would need to know and the one that tito shows in that video i'm pretty sure is from save the hero builders the same company so this is just i'm a big fan of the project i have a version of this that i somebody handmade uh, that i bought off of them which i still really appreciate that i've used it a whole bunch of times and i've used it in scenarios that i just didn't even expect to be using it and I was so glad that I did. The one that really stands in mind is when I said, you know, I want to play original vanilla Super Metroid. And it's me. I got like five, ten minutes into the game and went, I love this game so much, but let's play another version. And all right, now let's play it on the Mister. And okay, now let's do this. So I was able to copy and back up save game files using this cart reader. And I just, I thought it was awesome. So I wanted to make sure to share it. Please check out the post for all of the links that you need. And just remember, you know, buy it from a reseller that's already been making them for a while, make your own, buy it from somewhere else. doesn't really matter. Just pick whichever is the right choice for you. And of course, once again, check out Tito's video for more info. And speaking of Tito from Macho Nacho Productions, he just released a video about the M2 Loader, which is an upcoming project not released yet that allows you to use an M2 SATA drive on the bottom of your GameCube in order to boot backups. And the advantages of this are cost. So the price of a one terabyte or two terabyte M2 SATA is definitely a lot cheaper than that same sized micro SD card, but also performance. And while you're not gonna get blazing fast PCIe 4 speeds from a GameCube, there are certainly scenarios in which you would get less stutter and less popping and clicking in the music by having something that runs a little bit faster. So the project itself looks awesome. Uh, there are still some changes to be made and another version that's coming out. WebHDX, the creator of PicoBoot, is the one working on it. So I do think this is very promising and a very cool option for people that might want to just have 
the whole GameCube library loaded on one hard drive plugged in. The one thing I really, really hope Web HDX will look at, and I've been bugging this poor guy since the Pico boot was released about this, so I'm sorry to, to harp on you, but I would love to see something that recreates the network adapter with more modern equipment. So that way you don't have to spend a lot of money on an original GameCube network adapter, but maybe you could buy one with an ethernet port on it, buy one with Wi-Fi built in, whatever else. But I would love to see that both for NetPlay as well as being able to load ROMs off of your retro NAS or I guess any share wherever you might have it. So WebHDX, I know you're very busy and I know you're working on a bunch of awesome projects, but maybe please consider that because while having an M2 hard drive and you know you also buy yourself an M2 USB reader, while that's awesome and while that's certainly handy, it's still a piece of medium that you constantly have to remove and plug into your computer whenever you want to change things, backup and restore save game files. And while many of the people listening are gamers who just, why would that matter? Load up all your stuff and you're good to go. A lot of other uh, people listening are devs or just tinkerers like myself that want to constantly back up their saves or try it on different methods of use. So having network access to all of this stuff and having all of your ROMs in one place, not multiple, is a massive help. So either way, please check out Tito's video that will show you everything you need to know about this upcoming project. And of course, follow WebHDX if you'd like instant updates on the project. And Tito also wrote out a really awesome write-up of the entire project so if you don't have time to watch the video now read through the write-up watch the video later of course and uh you know i just i'm really excited about awesome new projects like this because it just expands what you could do with existing hardware this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I just posted an interview with Hans Beyer, who is the developer of the Mystex project. And the purpose of this project is to keep the original Mr. Centralized code, but have it be easily portable to different FPGA options, different types of chips, different development boards. And you would want to do that for a bunch of different reasons. You could find hardware that performs even better. You could find slower and cheaper hardware that does most of what you would need anyway for a much less price. Um, what if the D10 Nano just stops being sold? Now you have an easier way to replace that. So I, I just, I really loved the idea behind the project. And, you know, time will tell if this ends up being what everybody ends up embracing or if this is just a very cool proof of concept. I don't really know or care. I mean that in a nice way because I love the approach of this. This isn't fracturing the Mr. Project, you know, oh, my way is better, do it my way and forget about that. It's embracing everything that's already been done, the code that's already out there. It just allows you a 
different way to use that same exact project on multiple pieces of hardware. And there is some work involved. Hans goes over that in the interview and a couple points into it. But I just think that anybody who develops for Mr. should at least give the interview a listen. And that's not a cheap plug. I'm not just trying to get clicks on this. I just, I think the idea behind this is pretty awesome because there's been a few people who have posted alternate pieces of hardware that you could use. And some it's very easy to kind of port the cores over, but then there has to be two centralized locations, even if it's just, you know, even if it's mostly using the same thing where, and you know, a few other people I think had a a bit more of a negative approach to it, but I just really like how Hans had kind of attacked this problem. I also love his views on open source projects and stuff like that. And he was just a a very, a very fun nerd to be able to, to talk to. He described himself that way as well. So obviously when I dropped the nerd word, I mean that with compliments here, but I think that this is a, an interview that people who are interested in the Mr. Project would probably like, but I also really hope a lot of devs will give it a listen and post their honest opinions. And if there's reasons why this won't work, that's totally cool too. I just really like positive, you know, open conversations about how we could keep evolving Mr. to keep it alive forever, basically, because the fact is the DE10 Nano is not going to be around forever. And that specific FPGA chip is not going to be around forever. So we're going to have to evolve the project at some point if we want it to keep moving on. And I just think this so far, at least the idea of this is the best one I've heard. But I want to hear your opinions on it. So give it a listen. It's obviously available everywhere, wherever audio podcasts are found, wherever any podcasts are found. uh, And of course, also as a video on YouTube. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As usual, I'm just kind of skim through these and give the basic updates. And if you want more info, please check out Lou's video and, of course, subscribe to him. Uh, first up, a new arcade core for the game Cosmic Gorilla has been released by developer Macro. This is a 1979 game that looks kind of neat. Looks uh, looks a little more advanced than a 1979 game would. Uh, Lou has footage of it, of course, in the video. Furtech posted a screenshot of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles core that shows a CPU freeze feature of the core to help debug a sprite issue. So if you're a dev, that's cool, but also if you're just a fan like me, it's nice to be able to see the progress of that going. Pierco has gotten the MCU, CPU, and SCPU correctly synchronized in the Kick and Run core, and the next step is to work on rendering, and Kick and Run is an arcade soccer game by Taito. Mr. Add-ons did a last call for enclosures for customers who already purchased the YC adapter. They cost $12.50, and I think they might be sold out now, but you could still print your own. So I guess the plan going forward is if you're buying those adapters from Mr. Add-ons that will come with the enclosure already on them, and if you had uh, previously purchased just the PCB only, and you decided, hey, I want to you know, have a cover for these, then uh, if Pork is still selling them, it'll be $12.50 for that. I think it's very cool that they're coming with cases because I know it's very easy for devs to laugh when I say this, but most people don't want an open PCB laying around. It's intimidating. It's intimidating for nerds like me who just know that I have a million things going on and it would be so easy for me to put that down on a surface that next thing you know, a a screw rolls out of nowhere and touches two things together and shorts it out. So, uh, you know, I think one of the complaints of the Mr. Project is that oftentimes the hardware feels like a science project with wires coming out of every side. And obviously that's not any of the case manufacturer's fault. That's a result of the DE10 Nano development platform and how that works. But I just strongly think that 
most people should really be thinking about how to make it look and feel more like a video game or retro computer console and less like a science project. So good call on including the cases. Um, next, Hotego showed a video of, on the progress of the arcade game Haunted Castle. The game is running, but there's still some major bugs. But as always, we love to see the progress. And Hotego also confirmed another arcade game that's supported in the current Konami CPU core, Blockhole, which is a hybrid puzzle shoot 'em up game. Also, Darren O oh has started working on the Jalico Masters Mega System One, not Master System One, and is working on some challenges in the hardware. But if the core is finished, it'll allow us to play games like Saint Dragon, the Astonix. I am not even going to try to pronounce that. I apologize. And 64th Street, a detective story. And there's also updates to UK 101, VIC 20, and Astrocade cores. So as usual, thanks so much to Lou for keeping up on this stuff. I certainly couldn't. Um, there were a few things that came in right after Lou posted his video. So there's going to be some fun updates next week. But just uh, some teasers. There's going to be some news on the Saturn core. Not a public release yet, but... There, there's been some progress. So make sure to subscribe to Lou so you can get these updates in real time and see what's been going on. Chris from Displaced Gamers just posted a video that dives into the cycles, speed, and video output timing of the NES. And this one was really awesome because it kind of showed how the NES chips and clock work together, what the clock is. And Chris kind of used a couple of analogies in there that really made it very easy to understand. And I really liked the one about how the crystal clock is kind of like the heartbeat. So everything else is kind of working, but without the clock telling everybody, you know, what, where to... Uh, where to send its pulses at the right time, it, nothing would really work together or with your TV. Uh, my very stupid summary of this video is not a reflection on the quality of the video, so please go watch that. Even if you're even remotely nerdy and want to know how NES hardware works, this was a great one. I really liked this one a lot, so um, you know, definitely check it out, and obviously subscribe to Chris, too. He's got so many awesome videos on that channel. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to people who support in any way. A bunch of people checked out the eBay store when I said I had a few extra things up for sale, and I'm going to try to continue, continue to list stuff on there just because I have so many things here that I genuinely used and liked, but after the project was over, it's just sitting here in a box, which makes me sad. Somebody should be enjoying these. So I'll leave a link to that again just for you to check out. And of course, and especially thank you to everybody who supports on the monthly support services because that's really what's keeping all of this going. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you, and I will see you again next week.